Get Your House in Order, by Brother Tim Aaron. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order. For you shall die, you shall not recover. 2 Kings 22 verse 1, ESV. Brother Tim Aaron brings the word of God for the end time. You can find more information about Brother Tim Aaron at www.thiefinthenightministries.com. And here is Brother Tim Aaron. Glory to glory to glory to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for tuning in to another broadcast of Get Your House in Order. I'm your host, Tim Aaron. Hopefully you have been enjoying the uh, teachings and the discussions and the, and the, uh, the Bible study of this ministry. Uh, this ministry really tries hard to make sure we keep it 100% Bible, interpreting scripture by scripture, not by worldly culture, not by modern day times, not by Webster's Dictionary, not by any culture or traditions, but by the Bible, interpret scripture by scripture. That's the safest way to hold on to the word of God. Um, before I go any further, I always like to open up the show with offering an invitation to accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. About 2000 years ago, Jesus came through the door, through the Virgin Mary. Uh, he said he came the right way. Anyone that comes another way, the same is a thief and a robber. And he, he was referring to Satan. But he came through the Virgin Mary and he came with a primary goal in mind. He came to the earth to redeem man back to God. Man had fell into sin uh, in the Garden of Eden uh, through Adam and Eve. Man had lost his way and man was condemned to die to death. Uh, but Jesus decided to put a stop to that. He came to the earth with the primary goal to redeem man back to God. And while he was on the earth, he did many wonderful things while he was here. Um, he healed the sick. He opened blinded eyes and deaf ears. He ministered. He taught. He raised the dead. Uh, he set people free. Uh, he did so many wonderful, wonderful things. He prophesied to people. And uh, people gave their life to Jesus, following Jesus. And in the process of all that, Jesus made a lot of haters. People, some people uh, did not like Jesus. And as a result, they began to conspire on how they were going to kill Jesus. See, uh, because when Jesus was on the earth doing all these wonderful things, he gained in popularity. He, he he gained in a large fan base and that meant a lot of uh, established ministries at the time lost a lot of memberships and then you lose a lot of memberships and you lose a lot of money and that's why a lot of people back then scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees 
a lot of uh, the religious denominations back then did not like Jesus coming, taking their members away. Um, so they began to contemplate and conspire on how they were going to destroy Jesus. And they had Jesus arrested, turned him over to the Roman army and uh, the Gentiles. And the Romans abused Jesus. They, they, they arrest him, threw him in prison. They spit on him. They punched him. The Bible teaches us. Then they placed the crown of thorns on his head till blood started running down his face. Uh, then they nailed him to a tree, to a cross. His hands and feet to blood started running down his whole body. They pierced him in the side with the sword. And water and blood started running out. Jesus eventually died on the cross, but his death was not in vain. He died on the cross for the sins of the world. He accomplished his mission. He accomplished his goal. He redeemed man back to God with his death. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he is Lord, why don't you ask him to come into your heart, to your mind, to your soul, and be the Lord over your life? Ask him to lead you and guide you. And from this day forward, you will be saved if you believe that. If you believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sins. And he was raised from the dead and he still lives and he's on the right hand of the father. If you believe all that, you are saved and you have made the best decision by accepting him as your personal Lord and Savior. You have made the best decision you can never possibly make. And hopefully you have made it that decision today. Okay. Before I go any further, <clears throat> the title of this week's lesson is the fourth and the fifth seal. The fourth and the fifth seal. Uh, this ministry, we love talking about the end times because uh, uh, these are perilous times we are living in today. A lot of uh, greed, a lot of hatred, a lot of evil is in the world today. So these are perilous times and we have to uh, become aware of our surroundings. We have to uh, open up our eyes and, and open up our ears and pay attention to what's going on in the world so that we can recognize where we stand and recognize what's taking place according to Bible prophecy. Because uh, we want to be ready. We want to be watchful. You want to watch and pray, as the Bible puts it. So we're going to talk about the fourth and the fifth seal today. And um, I just want to touch base on something. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, ministries that we see today on television. And as a result, we get a lot of uh, ministries that really aren't keeping it 100% Bible. And what we need to do is we need to interpret scripture by scripture. That's how you eliminate the possibilities 
of getting it wrong. Not to say that everything I say on this ministry is going to be right, but I give myself the best chance of getting it right by keeping it Bible, interpreting scripture by scripture. And now I'm just going to be honest, a lot of ministries, even some of our biggest ministries on television, don't do that. They make the tragic mistake of allowing modern day culture, modern day standards to interpret the Bible. And that leads them astray and that takes them down a dark, uh, untruthful pass, uh, untruthful path, excuse me. And so I just want to put that out there for those that are listening, you know, make sure you understand that you have the responsibility not to follow man totally. You know, I believe it's Second um, Timothy 2.15, where it says, study to show thyself approved a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We all have the responsibility to seek the truth for ourselves. You know, it's great if you can go to a church and you can get the word preached to you um, truthfully with no compromising. But just to be honest with you, you know, that's really hard to find nowadays because a lot of churches uh, are, are big business. A lot of churches are in it for the money. That's, that's just the truth of the matter. Uh, a lot of politics in the church. And uh, so all of these things, a lot of times lead to a lot of compromising of the word of God. And that's unfortunate. And that's uh, going to be um, a lot of judgment is going to take place in the church. That's going to be uh, very unpleasant one day unless these people repent. So that's what uh, we try to do here at this ministry is keep it 100 percent Bible, say things that are not popular Sometimes to say, because the truth, the Bible says, is what makes us free. You know, um, if I sit up here and compromise the truth, then you're not going to become free. But I want the people of God to succeed. I want the people of God to get breakthroughs and to win and to overcome and, and to be delivered. And you know, that's what I strive for in my life. And I want that for my brothers and sisters in the Lord. So that's why you have to uh, really take Bible study serious. And, um, you know, it's a shame. But like I said, the politics and the money of of big church business is is a real problem in the world today. So uh, let's keep it Bible. uh, Interpret scripture by scripture. Okay. Let's uh, go to Revelations. We're going to be talking about some end time stuff here. And um, so let's um, go to Revelations chapter six. I love the end time stuff. I love the book of Revelations. It's funny because for the longest in my life, you know, I was a 60, a 65 book books of the Bible Christian. I really didn't get revelations at the time of day because it was just so hard to make sense of it. You know, and then about four years ago, five years ago, you know, the um the scales begin to fall off my eyes, if I can say that. 
concerning the book of Revelations. And I began to understand, I believe, what a lot of the stuff is being said in this book. Uh, so I really enjoy reading it and I really enjoy talking about it. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, the book of revelations is, is like a puzzle. You know how, when you get a puzzle in a box, whether it's a hundred piece puzzle or a thousand piece puzzle, 500 piece puzzle, you get that puzzle, you open up the box and you dump all the pieces on the table and you face all the pieces up so that you can see every piece. And then you start piecing it together. That's how the book of Revelations work. <clears throat> you know, it's not, you know, it, it's a 22 chapter book. And usually most books, you know, chapter one, chapter two, it has an order uh, to it according to chapter. It's not a it's not a chapter by chapter in order story like most books are. It's not like that at all. You know, the prophecies and the visions that John had in the book of Revelations are all over the place. And like I said, that's why you have to piece it together. And I believe that's what misled, which is leading me to my next huge point. I believe that's what misled a lot of our older, our older ministers uh, when they began to teach a pre-tribulation rapture. They thought the book of Revelations was an in-order chapter-by-chapter story, and it's not. And that's what led them astray to conclude that the rapture takes place before the Great Tribulation, pre-tribulation rapture. And, uh, and that's unfortunate because, once again, because of the politics of a lot of our churches, a lot of um, pride and a lot of uh, people are sticking with what a lot of our older ministries and our older ministers taught concerning a pre-tribulation rapture, but it just don't hold water. Um, Jesus told us in, uh, in uh, John chapter six, starting at the 39th verse, he says, all them that belong to him, he's going to raise up again at the last day, you know, not seven years before the last day. Not three and a half years before the last day, but at the last day, if you read um, uh, John chapter six, verses thirty nine through fifty four, Jesus says it four times. He's being very repetitive and it's like he is being repetitive with intention. It's like he is addressing the, the big question of today. When does the rapture take place? pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. And according to John chapter 6, starting at the 39th verse through the 54th verse, after saying it four times, it becomes pretty clear. The rapture takes place at the last day during the second coming of Jesus Christ. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, is when the rapture takes place during the second coming of Jesus Christ at the last day. So <clears throat> we have to get this understanding. So let's um, let's read. Let's go to uh, Revelations chapter six, and we're going to go to. I started verse seven. We're going to read verses seven. 
But before before we get into that, um, this is um, November the twenty third. We just had Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving this this uh, past Thursday, the twenty second actually. And uh, so I just want to let you know that I'm very thankful, and I hope you're very thankful too. Wherever you are in life, you know, if uh, you're going through hard times right now, it can always be worse. And the Lord has promised us that he won't put no more on us than we can bear. So you have to believe in that. And then if you haven't, if you're not going through a tough time, then you really ought to be thankful. You know, that God has given you peace and he's given you um, comfort, uh, hopefully health and strength. That's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for Life, health, and strength, food, clothing, shelter, mercy, and grace. I'm thankful for all of that. Thankful for family and friends. And um, so I'm very thankful. Um, It reminds me of the psalm. Uh, Psalms 100. uh, Verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You know, that it's a good thing to be thankful. You know, we need to understand to always find time to thank the Lord, not just one day of the year, not just on Thanksgiving, but every day we ought to try to be thankful to the Lord. Like I said, it's not always easy being thankful when you're going through. And uh, But uh, find a way to be thankful. Count your blessings and be thankful. Amen. Okay, it's back to um, Revelations chapter 6, and we're going to start at the 7th verse, and we're going to read down to verse 11. We're going we're gonna to key in today on the 4th and the 5th seal um, in the book of Revelation, the 4th and the 5th seal. And when he had opened the 4th seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and his name that set on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, with the beast of the earth. Verse nine. And when, he, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Okay, so we just read Revelations chapter 6, verses 7 through 11, which covers the fourth and the fifth seal. Okay, let's go back up now to verse seven. And when he had opened the fourth seal, 
I heard a voice from the fourth B say, come and see. Okay, now let me stop right there. Uh, in the previous chapter, we have been introduced to the seals. Uh, there are seven of them. And uh, it's, it's seven seals on the back of this book that are being held by almighty God himself. And nobody was worthy to open up this book except for the lamb, except for Jesus. And so this is what the seals are. They are seven like straps of seals over this book, over the back of this book being held by almighty God. And only Jesus can open up these seals. And he begins to open up these seals one at a time. So that's what these seals are about. Now, <clears throat> some people teach that the whole book of Revelation takes place in a seven year period. And that could not be further from the truth. The book of Revelations, you know, covers a vast period of time. Um, the history of this book begins with John, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, John was excommunicated to this island of Patmos, I believe in, in around 90 AD. Okay. So he was an old man on this island and he was visited by Jesus. According to the book of Revelations, he was visited by Jesus in Revelation chapter one. And uh, he was given all of these visions. He was given these prophecies. And, um, and he was told to write them down. Okay. And um, I want to point out something. Let's go to, um, let's go to Revelations chapter one. And I want to express how the prophecies of the book of Revelations cannot be contained in just a seven year period. Um, there's a lot going on in this book. And like I said, it's, it's a lot of misunderstanding to, to the book of revelations. When you teach, uh, things like, uh, the pre-tribulation rapture and, um, and all of these prophecies are, are within the final seven year period. No, no, that's not, that's not the case at all. Um, Let's go to um, let's go to Revelations uh, chapter one, verse one. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant, John. Now, I want to point out. What was said here Now this was about 90 years after the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay. And, um, either 90 years after the death of Jesus Christ on the cross or 90 years after the birth of Jesus, nonetheless, this was about 2000 years ago. Okay. And John has been visited by Jesus in the spirit and given the book of revelations, all of these visions and these revelations and, and uh, these prophecies, he was given all of this on the Island of Patmos. 
And look at what was said here. It said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. So Jesus didn't give John all of these visions and all of these prophecies to take place only in the final seven years of, of, of this world. No, these things will shortly begin to shortly come to pass. And some of them are in the process uh, as, as Jesus began to give them to John. Some of these prophecies were already in its process. Um, let's go down to Revelations um, chapter 19, uh, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 19. Revelations chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, the, this is Jesus talking to John again, and he says, Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are. Okay, so some of these prophecies are in its process as they spoke. Okay, write these things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. So these prophecies begin to take place as Jesus was giving them to John. And these prophecies will continue on all the way up until the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelations is basically going to cover the final 2000 years on earth and beyond even because it goes on to talk about also ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. So the book of revelation covers, covers a good 3000 years easy. Okay. So it's not, a, not the final seven year period. You know, it's, it's not limited to just that. Okay. Wanted to point that out. Okay. Back to revelations chapter six. Um, so we are, now looking at verse seven again, okay, it says, and when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. Now let's talk about the beast. Uh, this beast is not an evil beast. This is a heavenly, holy, angelic beast. Um, uh, uh, this is a beast in heaven, a beast that's above the throne of God, not in not above, as you would say, in power, but just above as far as like a like a, a guard, a bodyguard. Uh, this angel is called a seraphim, according to Isaiah chapter six. Uh, uh, also, the book of Revelations talks about these uh beast in Revelations chapter four. Uh, it says uh, these four beasts, you know, they have six wings and uh, they have eyes within within and um, full of eyes within. Um, and they and they nonstop say, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. Uh, these beasts are in heaven. Uh, they have four different faces. It's four beasts and they have four different faces. One face is like a lion, the other a calf or a cow or an ox. Okay. Uh, the other beast, because I believe 
uh, Ezekiel uh, chapter one said it was more like an ox. This one says a calf, I believe. Um, Isaiah, uh, I believe it says an, an ox or a calf as well. Um, and then uh, another beast has the, uh, the face of a man. So this is the only beast that might look normal to us if he was to see him. And then the fourth beast has the face of an eagle. Okay. Matter of fact, let's, let's, let's turn to Isaiah right quick. And uh, let's see what Isaiah says about these beasts. Uh, we're going to read Isaiah chapter six, verses one through three. We're going to do a lot of reading. Just Isaiah chapter six, verses one through three. In the year... The king Uzziah died. I see. I saw the also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Okay, now seraphims is a mighty angel, from what I came to understand. Each one had six wings. With twain or two, he covered his face, and with Twain or two, he covered his feet and with twain or two, he did fly. Okay. So you could picture that if this angel, one of these angels each had six wings, uh, for some reason with two of the wings, he covered his face, didn't want to be seen. And with, uh, I guess those were the top two wings. And then with the bottom two wings, he covered his feet. And then with his middle wings, he, he, he did fly. Okay. And then verse three, it says, and one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay. So that's uh, what Isaiah had to say about these heavenly beasts. Um, so these are holy angels in heaven. Yeah, these are, these are ministering spirits of God. So these, this is not nothing evil. You know, we hear the word beast and we automatically think of something vicious and evil and and bad. And, you know, but this that's not the case. OK, so that's that's, that's the backdrop on these beasts. OK. Now, <clears throat> verse seven says, and um, it says, and when he had opened the fourth seal, Jesus opened the fourth seal. And then he said, and, and I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. Now the fourth beast was the one that had the, the face of an eagle. Okay. Now keep that in mind. That might be of some significance. Keep that in mind. The face of an eagle. And then, okay, now verse eight, Revelation chapter six, verse eight. And I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that said on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth and with the beast of the earth. Okay. So on this horse horse, he says this horse was a pale horse and his name that set on him with death and, and hell followed with him. So th this was either 
two spirits on this one horse horse or there was two horses, but nonetheless, it was death and hell. And that's not good. <clears throat> and it says, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth. Now, one day it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I live in the United States of America. And uh, and when and as I as I read this first scripture, I was like, what's the fourth part? What's the fourth part? And then uh, when I think about four parts or four directions, I think about north, south, east and west. And when I was in school, I was taught about the four directions in that order. North, south, east, and west. And so I began to ask other people to say the four directions just to see what order they would say it in. And every time, whenever I would ask somebody at my church or somebody on the job or somebody around the way, can you say the four directions for me? What you mean, north, south, east, and west? Every time. People say it in that particular order, north, south, east and west. So it appears to me that that's not by accident. That is the order in which it is laid out for us to know the directions, north, south, east and west. So then what would be the fourth part? North, south, east, west. The fourth part would be west. Now, the West is typically referred to as the United States, Canada, Mexico, Western civilization. Some even include the United Kingdom, England, you know, Wales and all of them. So pretty much the West is North America and the United Kingdom. Okay, that is usually considered the West, the West. So when you hear Asian people speaking of the United States, they usually refer to us as the West, the West. Okay, so hopefully you understand where I'm getting to the West. Primarily, you don't get no more. You don't get no further West than the United States. The international dateline is in the Pacific Ocean. So and, and, and the United States, when you go in east of the international dateline, the first country you come in contact with is the United States. So in other words, you get no further west than the United States. OK, so back to this prophecy here, this prophecy is telling us that this hope when when this seal was open, when this seal is going to be open. This pale horse with its riders, death and hell followed, is going to be given power over the fourth part, the West, to kill with the sword. Now, what does a sword represent? It represents weapons. So it would it would include not only swords, knives, but guess what? It would include guns. Does the United States of America have a gun problem right now? Absolutely. 
You know, it has been said watching the BBC news network. It has said that the United States have the worst gun problem in the world right now. Gun violence is out of control. So I believe people of God that we are in this fourth seal right here, right now. I believe this fourth seal has been opened and this, and this is where we are. These, this pale horse is riding with his rider death and hell is following him. And we are seeing gun violence like we have never seen in the world before where people are just shooting people for absolutely no reason. No reason. Mass shootings at schools, at malls, at churches. Just just, just people shooting just to be shooting. Drive-by shootings. Gang violence. We are witnessing, people of God, this forest seal being opened. Or it is open as we speak. And it is affecting the United States of America in the worst way. Now, with that being said, let's read the rest of verse eight. It says the the death and hell follow with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, the West, to kill with sword. Now, and then it goes on to say with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Now, if this scripture is in order. Then we can we can say that we can we can safely prophesy that the West is also going to have a hunger problem uh, of some some kind of famine, uh, some kind of uh, food shortage. Uh, Some people are suggesting that we are having a hunger problem already in this country. Um, But it's not as bad as the first part with the sword. The sword is really, really bad right now. So we know that the Bible is true. So then we we can expect that there's going to be an increase of death when it comes to hunger. Also, an increase of death with death. How can death be a murderer? How can how can uh, death kill with death? How about suicide bombers? How about suicide uh, killers? People who who want to kill as many people as they possibly can, so they strap a bomb to their body. That's how death kills with death: suicide bombing, suicide shootings. Okay. And with the beast of the earth. Now, I don't believe we have seen this part yet. So we are in a time, I believe, where the fourth seal is open and we are living it out as we speak. And so we are going to probably see more famines, more hunger problems, uh, more suicide attacks. And we're going to see a rise in animal attacks, animal attacks, I believe. And with the beast of the earth, I believe that means animal attacks are going to be the cause of many deaths in the West, in the fourth part of the earth. Uh, Whether we're talking about dogs, 
whether we're talking about snakes, whether we're talking about wolves, um, it's written. It's written, therefore, it's going to be done. So I wanted to talk about this scripture today just to, like I said, so that we can be watchful, so that we can be aware of what's going on. Um, this is why being saved is uh, paramount and, and, and it's extremely important because uh, with Jesus, we have a security that no insurance can provide, that no gun can provide. Uh, the Lord will watch out for his own. Uh, that's why I would love to encourage people to get saved, accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. But we are in the fourth seal as we speak. Okay, now let's go on down to verse nine. Let's see what the fifth seal is talking about. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, this seal has not been opened yet. The reason I say that is because I believe this seal is speaking to uh, what takes place in Revelations chapter 11. In Revelations chapter 11, Jesus has two witnesses, which he describes as two, um, two candlesticks and two olive trees. Matter of fact, let's just go there right quick. Revelations chapter 11, verses 4. No, verses three. We're going to read verse three and four. Revelation chapter 11, verse three and four. And he says, I will give power unto my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand, two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Okay. And then you go down to verse seven. It says, and when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Okay. So we just read Revelation chapter 11, three, four, and seven. Now, I believe back in the, the fifth seal is speaking to this. Um, now, the fourth, the, the fifth seal um it might throw you off a little bit it, when you look at it and you compare it to Revelations chapter 11. It says, and I looked and behold, a pale horse. Uh, no, I mean, verse nine. Uh, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. The souls of them that were slain. Now, that sounds like more than just two people. And I believe it is. Um, and it goes on to say for the testimony, which they held. Now, of course, that word testimony is always associated with the two witnesses. Now we have to, uh, understand what the two witnesses are. They're not just two people. Okay. Uh, back to revelations chapter 11, verse three, it says, I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. That's 1,260 days. These are the two olive trees. Now, I believe that these are two 
men. I see men as trees as one of the one of the stories in the gospel say. So the these are two men and uh and these and he says and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Now we have we know that a candlestick is a church according to Revelation chapter 1. A candlestick is a church. So these are going to be two men that's going to lead two churches. So that's why I do believe that this is going to be more than just two people that's going to be killed. Uh, that we read in verse seven, verse seven says, and when they have finished their testimony, the beast that sitteth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Okay. So I believe, uh, this, 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 uh, beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit is not going to kill just, just the two olive trees, but they're going to kill the two churches as well. All the members of these churches as, as well. Okay. So I believe that's what this fifth seal is speaking to in Revelations chapter six, verse nine. And um, let's go on to read verse 10 and 11 uh, of Revelations chapter six. And he says, uh, and uh, they cry with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, doest thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes are given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So you see, uh, when you understand the timing of the two witnesses, according to Revelations chapter 11, it's going to take place in the final seven year period. And they're going to be at the top half of the final seven year period. These two witnesses, they're going to lead a great revival in the earth. Like that's going to mirror what Jesus did when he was on the earth. Jesus did all these wonderful things, healed the sick, opened blinded eyes, opened deaf fields, healed lame people, healed paralyzed people, raised people from the dead. Jesus did all these wonderful things for three and a half years. The Bible teaches that these two witnesses are going to do great things for 1,203 score days. Guess what that equals? Three and a half years. That's right. So at the top half of this final seven year period that was prophesied by Daniel, the final week, the final seven years, it was prophesied in Daniel, I believe, Daniel chapter nine. Um, uh, these these uh, two witnesses are going to be at the top half of this final seven year period. They're going to do wonderful things three and a half years. And then Satan himself, because he's the one that ascends out of the bottomless pit. And, and John says it that way, not that the not that he had re ascended out of the bottomless pit at that time, but he just says it that way to identify which beast he is speaking of, because he also refers to the Antichrist as a beast. So John is letting you know that he is speaking of Satan himself. Satan himself is going to kill these two witnesses. OK, and their churches. And so these are the souls that I believe that um, the fifth seal is speaking of. Verse 9, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain 
for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Okay. Um, I hate to just talk about these two seals without trying to touch on all seven of them right quick. So I'm going to try to do that. Um, let's go back to um, Revelation chapter six, verse one. And it says, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it was the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts say, come and see. And, um, and I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bowl and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and a conquering. Now I believe this was referring to the Holy spirit. You know, Jesus had died on the cross already. And, you know, we had the day of Pentecost come 50 days later. And uh, that was the introduction of the, the move of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit for all flesh. OK, all those who accept Jesus Christ. So I believe that's what this represents. I don't believe this is nothing evil like some teach. I believe this is just the Holy Spirit doing his work. That's what I believe this first seal it refers to. And remember, that's why I have pointed out that the prophecies of this book, is not talking about just the final seven years. I believe this was in process as John was being given this book. This white horse was on the move. Okay. And when he had opened the second seal, verse three, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red and power is given unto him thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should be and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now, I just believe this is a talking about all the wars that we have seen uh, since uh, since the time of John was given this up until now, pretty much all the wars that we've seen, you know, especially in the Muslim countries, because uh, it seemed like they have nonstop war. Uh, but just, you know, you could talk about World War One, World War Two. I believe that's what this is referring to. Okay, verse five. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, "Come and see." And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, "A measure wheat for a penny." And three measures of barley for a penny. See thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, back in those days, a day's wage was was a penny. Uh, I believe you can find that. You, you can see an example of that, actually, I believe, in Matthew chapter 20, where Jesus gives this parable. But. A penny was a day's wage. So, so to get a measure of wheat for a penny, that was pretty expensive. So I believe this is referring to how there's going to come a time where there's going to be serious inflation, serious hard times. Uh, food is going to be hard to come by. Um, and now I, I think the whole world has experienced that at some time or another. OK. And of course, we have read the fourth and the fifth seal already. Now, let's go down to. Verse 12, and when he and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell on the earth, even as the fig trees cast her untimely figs when she 
a shaking of a mighty wind. And uh, I believe this is just describing uh, also the seventh trumpet. In other words, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, so the, the, the sixth seal and the seventh trumpet are pretty much one and the same. They are describing the same thing, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, now if you go over to Revelations chapter 8, verse 1, and then it gets to the, the seventh and the final seal. It says, and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. Now, I believe this is just the bird's eye view of heaven from heaven looking down at the battle of Armageddon, looking down at the sixth seal, at the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon that was taking place. Uh, I believe that's all this is. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. I believe this is God looking down at the battle of Armageddon take place. Uh, the reason why I say that, because when the battle of Armageddon takes place, Jesus and his army of angels are going to be on earth kicking butt. Now, it says about the space of a half an hour. <clears throat> the Bible says several times, no man knows the day or the hour. No man knows the day or the hour. No man knows the day or the hour. Now, to me, that's more than just a statement. I believe that's a key, a key code for time. If you don't know the day, then you don't know the hour. If you don't know the day, you don't know the hour. So that really don't make a whole lot of sense in that wise. So I believe that's just a key code. So I believe instead of an hour in Revelations being 60 minutes, an hour in Revelations is 60 days. That's what I, I have concluded. So there was silence in space for about a half an hour or 30 days. I believe the Battle of Armageddon According to the book of Daniel, it gives us times uh, when you read uh, Daniel chapter nine uh, and Daniel chapter 12, uh, it gives us times. And when you do the math, you see that there is a 30 day gap in between two of the time periods. So that leads me to believe that this 30 day gap is the same gap here in Revelations chapter eight, verse one. And that's why I have concluded when it says about the space of a half an hour, it's not talking about 30 minutes, but it's talking about 30 days. Okay, I'm about out of time. I hope you have found this uh, teaching on the fourth and the fifth seals and pretty much all the seals helpful and informative. And uh, hopefully it has uh, encouraged you to stay watchful, mindful and prayerful. Uh, and in prayer for all those who are not saved, that they get saved and for those that are saved to stay saved, because these are critical, critical times. People Satan is trying to destroy on a much higher level. And as we get closer and closer <clears throat> to this final seven year period, we're going to witness Satan amping up his attack. Um, I believe um, in Revelations chapter 12. It says when Satan is finally kicked out of heaven, he is going to really be on attack because he knows 
he has but a short time. So we have to make sure that we keep the faith and we stay prayed up so that we can keep ourselves and so that we can be strong enough to help others. Amen. Okay, thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. I'm your host, Tim Aaron. You can also check me out on thiefinthenightministries.com. That's thiefinthenightministries.com, where you can find out more about me and this ministry. Um, You can uh, contact me and post a question or comment. Correct me on something if uh, I I misspoke. I would love to hear from you either way. Uh, That's thiefinthenightministries.com. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, You can catch me every Saturday on this station at uh, 5 o'clock p.m. Central Time. It's 5 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Okay, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prosper. God bless you. Take care of your peace. Thank you for listening to the show. We hope that you were blessed by the message from the Word of God. Come back next time for more of Get Your House in Order. I said one black morning, when this life is over, I'm gonna fly away. I'm leaving this cold world, going up yonder to that holy place. I'ma sit down, talk with Peter, sit down, talk with Paul. And I'ma say, take me to Jesus, the one who really paid it all for me this world. Get Your House in Order is copyrighted by Thief in the Night Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.